Good morning, everyone. Luke 5 this morning. Jesus, on the heels of getting kicked out of his hometown after preaching in the synagogue and then healing a bunch of people, Jesus went off in Luke 4 to a secluded place, but people were looking for him, and he kept on preaching then in the synagogues of Judea. Now, verse 1 of chapter 5, Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, He was standing by the lake of Genesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, just a different name for it. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon, Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. Now, this is before Jesus selected 12 to be his apostles. In a sense, he's in a season of getting to know them. They're getting to know him. And he's beginning to recruit uh, disciples to be apostles. Uh, He's getting to know Simon better, but soon we'll see that he selects 12 of them to follow him full time for the period of three years. Um, Now he's going to really be able to show him his power um, through their occupation. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we have worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. Now, Simon is a fisherman as a a career, and he knew, like, this was not normal. This was so beyond normal. This was miraculous, and it was right when Jesus told them to do it after not catching everything all night. He's beginning to see, oh my goodness, this man is a miracle worker. And when Simon Peter saw this huge catch, He fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. He began to realize that he was in the presence of the Messiah, perhaps fully realizing that, or, or just knowing that Jesus was from God, and he just felt like he was unworthy. And in some ways, that's a, a really great response from Simon Peter, that he realized that he's a sinful man and that he was in the presence of someone who was holy and powerful. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on you will be catching men. Other versions will say, From now on you will be fishers of men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Hallelujah. Yes, what a miraculous catch. And now Jesus is beginning to point them to purpose. You know, purpose in life is about God's kingdom and serving his kingdom purposes. And what's what's God's kingdom purposes? That we would be a better reflection of who he is on this earth and that we would seek to multiply people who would embrace that same goal, that that other people on this earth would live for the kingdom of God, that they would seek to be more like 
our Savior and Lord, and that they would get on board with also helping people to do likewise. What's that? Helping other people to embrace Jesus as Lord and become more like him. And for them then to want to invest into other people so that other people could know. That's the that's the mission of God. He May his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we live for today is people, the hearts of people, the the faith of people in the risen Savior. And instead of catching or doing something just of the world, like catching fish, he's saying, I have something more important for you to do, and that's to fish for people. People is ultimately the, the purpose of God is people living for him. And you know what? We have careers today. Not everyone is a full-time minister, uh, but yet we are. We are in ministry wherever we are. Whether you're a plumber or electrician or a stay-at-home mom or a businessman or whatever it is, that's not your kingdom purpose. Now, that may be where God has you. Like I'm not saying God doesn't have you in a secular area because we need people. It's the beauty of the the mission of God is that we can have people in all fields and all lines of work, but yet ultimately their number one goal to be living for Jesus and having an impact on people wherever they are, being a fisher of men wherever you are, a fisher of women wherever you are. Hallelujah. God wants us to see his purpose, and he definitely orchestrates that in uh, John and James and, and Peter's life. While he was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus' fame and his powers becoming known throughout the land. And here's someone desperate who wants to be made well. And he stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. Praise God for his power to heal. And, you know, although God wanted this man to be healed, I think what he's really wanting ultimately for this man and for all the people around that are seeing these miracles is that they would believe in him, that they would believe in him. And he's doing these miracles to help people believe. And he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing. Just as Moses commanded, he's going to tell him to follow the law for for uh, when you've been healed and as a testimony to them. He he wants them to, to be a testimony, but he's also not asking people to run around and say, you know, show off his miracle hearing all the time because, again, he's, he's he doesn't want to go to the cross for a few years. But the news about him was spreading even further and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. I'm so glad that Luke throws those, you know, snippets in about what Jesus would do. And we've seen it a couple times already in this book, but that he would go off to a secluded place or that he would go off to the wilderness to pray, that he needed time to, you know, to pray and connect with Father God and just to remember his vision, remember his mission, um, he had people around him a lot, and at times he just needed to be alone and be in the presence of God with himself and with Father God. And, you know, that's a great example to us. I've really made it a, a note to myself that before I preach to you and, you know, study the scripture, that I pray. I spend some time just praying and 
praying not only for this, praying that God would help me to teach rightly and discern his word rightly, but to pray for other things in my life and to praise God. Um, I have a method of prayer that I use. Maybe sometime I will teach on it, but I think it's uh, it's good and right that before I proclaim his word, I spend time with the Lord because I, I know I need him. Uh, one day he was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. Kind of an interesting statement. It's as though maybe there were times when there was great healings being done, and maybe times when he sensed that that wasn't what was for that city or for that time. But apparently at this time, there was a lot of healing going on, and some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him in and set him down in front of him, but not finding a way to bring him in because of the crowd. They went up on the roof. So Jesus is in a house. Now remember the setting. It's always really important to know what, what's going on. Jesus is in the midst of Pharisees and teachers of the law. Now they have not become his enemies yet as much as they will, because they're going to reject him. But it's beginning to become known that Jesus is making changes to what it means to follow God. And, and the Pharisees are going to struggle with the changes that he's bringing in, because ultimately Jesus is bringing in Christianity in the church. And it's going to come from the foundation of Judaism, but it's going to make significant changes to Judaism. And uh, that's who's in the midst. That's important to know that that's who he's teaching in this house. But these people are trying to bring, they've heard of Jesus' healing power, and they're trying to bring their crippled friend to get healed. And they couldn't get in the house because everyone was crowding around. So they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles with his stretcher in the middle of the crowd. Talk about boldness. You know, like, we have to get this guy in. And they literally removed tiles of the roof so they can lower him down in front of Jesus. And Jesus marveled at this. So he... He seeing their faith, it says. I mean, he, he realizes that they believe that he can heal, and they're 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 not gonna. They don't want to take no for an answer. They're gonna find a way to get their friend in there. Pretty special. Seeing their faith, he said, "Friend, your sins are forgiven you." Now that was a really interesting statement, and he's doing this intentionally. Jesus is doing something that, like, no 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 uh, sage or rabbi would would come along and say to someone, your sins are forgiven, because in order for your sins to be forgiven, they were, they were supposed to bring a sacrifice of atonement, and their sin would be atoned for, but not necessarily like once and for all. And Jesus is verbally saying, you know what, your sins are forgiven, and it's going to stir. See, he's, he's doing this intentionally, and it's going to stir the Pharisees and the teachers who are in the room. Like, you can't do that, Jesus. Like, who are you to say that someone's sins are forgiven? That's blasphemy that's that's you can't do that and and yet he's famous and people are crowding around him so they don't know what to say so the scribes and the pharisees began to reason like in their minds they're it, they may not even verbalize it if you read the other versions of this account but they're thinking they're reasoning who is this man who speaks blasphemies who can for who can forgive sins but god alone and you know jesus intentionally kind of troubled them with his words but Jesus was aware of what they were thinking. You know, he knew what he was saying when he was saying it and what they'd be thinking. And Jesus is aware of their reasonings. He's aware of what they're thinking in their minds and answered and said to them, 
why are you reasoning in your hearts? Why are you thinking this thing? Why are you thinking that what I said is so wrong? Even though to them it would have been wrong. Uh, which is easier to say, Jesus said, your sins have been forgiven you? Or to say, get up and walk. Now, Jesus hasn't done that yet. This man just got lowered down. Lots of attention. He gets lowered down right in front of Jesus. And Jesus says something to startle them with his words. Your sins are forgiven you. And they're now they're wondering, why would he say that? How can he say that? And then he says, is it easier to say that or get up and walk? But Jesus said in verse 24, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Now, Jesus is beginning to kind of like share the gospel with them, but they're not going to understand it yet. He hasn't died on the cross, uh, which is going to be the ultimate sacrifice for sin so that people can be forgiven. But it's like Jesus is giving them a forerunner taste of the gospel that, you know what, this is what I've come to do is forgive sins. And they're not going to get it yet. But he's saying, what is easier for me to just say this man's sins are forgiven or to say to a cripple who's never walked, get up and walk. So, but so that you may know the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up and pick up your stretcher and go home. And immediately he got up before them and he picked up what he had been laying on and he went home glorifying God. This cripple gets up and walks right in front of everyone, and he's praising God. They were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God, and they were filled with fear, saying, We have seen remarkable things today. Uh, amazing. What a story. What the drama of that moment must have been uh, really something. And I believe there's a little bit more to the story if you can look in Matthew 9 or Mark 2 where the story is shared, but they have it kind of end here. And after he went out and noticed a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he left everything behind and got up and began to follow him. And that that's a remarkable statement too. So, you know, tax collectors were unliked. And for Jesus to go to someone everyone else would not like and say, I see value in you. Come follow me. <clears throat> For this man to begin to follow Jesus, it's really remarkable. Uh, now, he does end up being one of the apostles. Now, I don't know that when Matthew follows him here, he knows that he's going to follow him forever, but he dropped what he was doing at the moment and followed him, and eventually he does end up following him in that way. But, you know, the value that that God sees in just regular people. It, it's so remarkable that Jesus did not, um, he did not go after the tax, or excuse me, the Pharisees. He did not go after the religious leaders. He just recruited everybody, anybody's. In fact, even people others would look down on, and he made those people his followers. Uh, what a special thing that says to you and I, all of us, you know, can follow him and can be a part of serving God's kingdom, no matter what our past is, no matter what our background. Um, and God wants us on his team. Hallelujah. And Levi, who ended up becoming Matthew, uh, gave a big reception for him, Jesus, in his house. And there was a great crowd of tax collectors and other people who were reclining at the table with them. 
The Pharisees and their scribes began grumbling at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? See, so they're starting to get upset at him, and they're saying, you know, he's hanging out with people they wouldn't mix with. And he's saying, Why are you doing that? And Jesus answered and said to them, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, the reality is that we're all sinners who need repentance. But if if someone's self-righteous and they don't think they need Jesus, he will let them go until they recognize they have a need. And that's what we all need to know is that we have a need. None of us are perfect on our own. We all, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the Pharisees a lot of times thought of themselves as righteous and not needing a Savior. And Jesus came to call those who will realize that they are sinners and they need repentance. And and he came to save those who were lost. Hallelujah. And they said to him, the disciples of John often fast. So now they're questioning him again, by the way, the Pharisees, and offer prayers. The disciples of the Pharisees also do the same, but yours eat and drink. He's, they're saying, hey, why are you guys eating and drinking? And it almost seems like they mean alcohol here now not to drunkenness but anyways he they're complaining why do, why are your disciples doing this why aren't they fasting and being more holy and jesus said to them you cannot make the attendants of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them can you but the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and they will fast in those days and he's just saying that you know now is not the time to fast he's going to be with them for this three year journey but one day when he goes to the cross and goes back to the right hand of the Father, there will be Christians who will fast, but it's not for now. And he was also telling them a parable. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. Otherwise, he will both tear the new and the piece from the new will not match the old. So he's saying... Well, let me finish, and then I'll explain to you what he's saying here. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled out, and the skins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking the old wine, wishes for the new, for he says the old is good enough. And basically, there are two parables about the same thing. And that is that Jesus is bringing a new message and it, and the people of the old message are going to struggle to receive it. And it's not going to be for them if they're going to reject it because they're satisfied with the old. So in order to Jesus to expand the gospel and to bring in Christianity, instead of going to the Pharisees and scribes, he's going to go to the anybody's because they will accept the new message and they won't be stuck on the old message that they won't receive the new. The the old people of the old message, they think their old message is better and they're just not willing to accept the new message of Jesus Christ. So he's going to go to new people because they're willing to take his new message. And that's what's being said. And this this sets this up that we're going to see, you know, the Pharisees who are unwilling to believe in Jesus, even though he's doing miracles who are stuck in their old ways, they're going to be lost until one day they realize they need the Messiah because they are sinners too. And Jesus came to die even for them if they'll just but see their sin and see that he is the Savior who can forgive them. But praise God, Jesus has brought this new message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know 
that many of you and me, I'm just glad to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior and to be a Christian, and I'm proud to follow him and proclaim this new message to the world. May you all do it with me. Let's do it together. Hallelujah. Jesus is worthy. God bless you all.